Welcome to Stories That Matter podcast. We're so happy to have you here again. As you know, this is a place where we seek to share stories that are big and small in every area of life. Stories that we hope will impact the world and empower others. Make sure you take the time to like, comment, and subscribe. But today we have a very, very special guest, Mr. Josh Farrell. He is a man of many different traits, and he's doing a lot of different things out here in this world, but he's letting God lead him on this path as he tries to build wealth. And I mean, generational wealth and also help others do the same. Um, So can you first off, let's just, you tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. First of all, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the invite. I love the opportunity to just um, share my story in in hopes of helping others and and letting people know it's possible. But uh, for me, I grew up in Atlanta. went to Georgia State University, graduated in 2014 with a degree in management and a degree in marketing as well. Uh, from there, I started my career at Georgia Pacific uh, in the recruiting space, um, and then just kind of recently transitioned to uh, a recruiting role at Google uh, about a year ago now. Um, real estate has obviously been um, I'll say it's kind of been a passion. It's kind of grown into a passion. Uh, for me, the interest really came around um, focusing on generational wealth and, and how to build that. Um, and real estate was just one of the best avenues um, for me. And so uh, that's kind of, you know, a, a little bit about me. Uh, very active um, in the city, uh, really into development of, of all the things that are coming uh, to Atlanta. Um, involved in a lot of different sports leagues. So I'm just active all over. Awesome. And I know you just mentioned a little bit about generational wealth. Was that something that was always on your mind in college or, you know, prior years or something that, you know, other family members have kind of like talked about around you that has kind of got you thinking on that topic? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a great question. And I really do have to give, um, you know, all the credit to my mom. She's always just instilled, um, you know, financial literacy in me from a young age, the importance of um, letting your money compound, making smart investments, saving um, just for the benefit of making life easier. And I've been able to see that um, and see the fruits of those um, sacrifices, but also just staying true to those practices that she taught me at a very young age. So uh, definitely, definitely blessed to, to just have a mother who cared as, as much as she did and and was able to um, just just accurately show me how uh, important that that is. And so um, I, I will say what really kind of also flipped the switch was, um, you know, when I graduated and got my first opportunity uh, in, in corporate America, uh, you know, you're young, you, you got a little money in your pocket. And, and so, uh, you know, I actually went to go get um, this, this high rise apartment uh, with, with a friend of mine. And so, you know, we were living the life in Atlanta, um, 
for all of a about a year and a half and it, and it was fun but um i will tell you at the end as i was coming up to the end of that lease i looked back at my bank account and it was about the same uh as it looked when i when i signed that lease at the beginning of the year and i knew at that point i was like okay this this is not sustainable like i had a blast but i have absolutely nothing to show for it and so from there it was like okay i can't just keep throwing money down the drain uh to these apartment complexes i need to figure out how to let my money uh work for me but also uh work towards ownership so i don't have to always uh, have to make a, a rent payment to someone so that's what really flipped the switch and, and it kind of just took off from there and living the good life i know about yeah. that life that's it's you know everyone has to experience it a little bit it's it's fun while it lasts but yeah. when you when you talk a lot about um actually realizing and that flipping the switch you know a lot of minorities don't it doesn't yeah. happen for them it you know they're still they're still like i just want to have all the glitz and glams and be able to show that i'm making this money but not that this money is working for me so yeah. what was one of the first steps that you took to you know go into that different journey yeah for sure so i mean i'll be honest for me it's it's i've uh, i will say at a, at a younger age and like you know, 18, 19, I, I really didn't care too much about what other people thought, uh, especially in, in my friend circle. And, and so I was always just that quote unquote responsible friend um, and, and always just thinking about the, the repercussions of, of decisions that we made. And so um, for me, I, I didn't feel the need to, to go out and, and, you know, buy a, a BMW just because I could finally get approved for one now that I had a job or um, wanting to buy the expensive sneakers or things of that nature. So I was always kind of in sacrifice mode. Um, spring breaks, I didn't really do a lot of just because I was working at that time. Um, so, you know, just just always in that in that mode of sacrifice with, with the idea of um, just long term growth. I'm always thinking long term. Uh, I actually don't like if there's an opportunity to get some short, quick, fast money, uh, it just, it's not sustainable to me. So I, I've always kind of shied away from those things. Um, and, and I've fallen victim to those things early on, which is what taught me to shy away from those things because, um, you know, I, I've seen very, very early on that those things just don't really work and, and fast money isn't good money. Um, so having those principles of just sacrifice, um, and I, I I was telling somebody the other day, actually, um, 2019, I was I was making six figures, but I was still taking the Marta bus to work. Like I didn't have a car because um, I just I, I don't like car notes. I've never had a car note, um, and so just because I can go get approved for a nice fancy luxury car doesn't mean I'm just going to go do it. Um, mm -hmm. I had goals. You set goals early of wanting to buy a property. Um, understanding the difference between, uh, you know, property appreciating as an asset versus a car depreciating. Um, I have so many friends that are upside down on their car loans and it's just, it's not fun. So um, I'll say the other big trait about me is that I can look at somebody else go through something and treat it as if I went through it myself. And that has scarred me enough to not want to make those decisions. And so um, just being disciplined in that aspect has, has definitely um, kind of got me on this path. Yeah. So I know um, 
via Instagram. You can, if you go on his Instagram, look at some of his social media, um, all that good stuff. You can see that he's like on this path of kind of trying to like buy back the block, um, which yeah. is something what's like a way, a good way to phrase it. So talk about, you know, buying that first property was that I know when it comes to it being an investment property, most times a lot of people are kind of fearful because you have to bring that 20% to the table. But was yeah. it, you know, was it a property where you were living in it at first? Or, you know, how did you, you know, do do that for yourself? Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, I'll, I'll try and talk quickly about um, that that journey. So my first home that I purchased was uh, in 2016, actually, uh, it was a three bedroom town home, um, in, you know, the upper West side of Atlanta, uh, at that time, the area, uh, it was starting to turn around, but it was still kind of the hood a little bit. Um, but that's the best time to invest. And so, uh, I was able to buy that property for about $220,000. Um, I was able to qualify, uh, for some programs to help with, uh, down payment assistance. So, I think I only came to the table with um, just a, a, a little under $5,000 um, just to purchase that home. And immediately, um, I'm not one of those people who is just like, oh, I can't do roommates or I don't like how they just leave stuff in the sink. Like, you know, all that stuff is annoying. But again, I'm a long-term thinker. So for me, it was like, all right, I, I can deal with having roommates, um, you know, with a goal in mind of, hey, they're going to pay my mortgage for me. So uh you know as soon as i moved in i had had a roommate um in, in both of the rooms so they were paying my mortgage i haven't paid a mortgage on that house since i purchased it um just because it's wow. been covered by uh, roommates and so um in doing that uh i was no longer like having to pay a mortgage out of my salary that i was getting so i thought to myself well okay well let's do this again like let's go find another property and so uh, in 2018, I was I spent about seven or eight months looking for uh, a rundown home to renovate. Um, and, you know, every time I, I put in an offer on one, it would just get get uh, beat out by a cash investor. And because that was a time in Atlanta where a lot of investors were just buying up everything. Um, and so I got frustrated and I was literally just like, OK, if I'm if I'm doing too much, God, let me know. I don't ever want to do anything outside of the will that you have for me. But, um, you know, this is something that I want and I, and I, I do, um, you know, think it'll be beneficial for me. And so uh, I, I did say, you know, all right, this is the last time I'm, I'm doing this. So I went out one more weekend just driving around because um, I was driving around every single weekend looking at properties. And I came across this piece of land um, in the West End, because uh, that was around the area that I was looking for, the West End, the English Avenue area. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I saw this piece of land with a for sale sign on it, and I just said, hmm, you know, I'm looking for older homes to renovate. What about just building a house? Like, what does that look like? Um, most ignorant thing I've ever done in my life. But it's like next uh, level, like. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, I mean, I was still eager, and I was like, what? Well, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So. The land was $65,000. And so I, I just, um, I called the agent. I said, yo, I want to buy this land. And uh, she had told me, well, the sellers aren't really looking for any bank loans. They're looking for just all cash investors. Um, so I'm just like, all right, this is it. So like, I'm done. Um, and it's funny because I, I just so happen to kind of like be in, be in the uh, Bible plan uh, in the book of Joshua at that moment. And, and it just discusses how 
um, you know, God instructed Joshua to kind of take over the promised land and he had to walk over the land and claim it. And so um, I just hopped up right when I read that and I just went to that land and I walked over it. I prayed over it. I said, this is what I want. And I guarantee you the next day um, and, and the story just sounds so surreal. But the next day, uh, the lady called me back and said, hey, are you still interested in the property? Because, you know, the seller said that they're willing to, to take your bank loan. And so I was like, OK, wow. this is God ordained right here. Like, this is it. So let's do it. Um, so I bought the land. Um, I was able to get get like a little bank loan. I think I paid like 14000 down for it um, and had a little bank loan. And so then I was looking for another bank that could do a construction of perm loan. Uh, and so I was able to find one. And as you said before, it's about 20% down on uh, an investment property or a non-primary residence property. Uh, and so um, I had uh, found an architect to, to, you know, just kind of bring the plans that I had sketched for this modern design to life. Um, and we figured out, you know, how much it would cost. And that's a whole nother story in itself that we probably don't have time for, but that was the biggest headache of my life as well. Um, but you know the, the costs were about 240, um, and so what we did was lump in the cost of, of what it would cost to build the house to the actual uh, loan that the, the land was on, and so um, that totaled to about 306, and so um, got approved for a 306,000 dollar loan through a bank. Um, in my head, it was like all right, 20%, so that's 60,000 dollars I had to come to closing with. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I was actually, um, you know, needing to find a place for my grandmother to live um, just because she was getting up in age and she couldn't really go up and downstairs anymore. So the way I designed the house, the, the basement bottom level had its own entrance. And so uh, just put a kitchen down there, washer and dryer, bedrooms, bathrooms, everything. So I said, well, this this could be, you know, her spot down here and then upstairs I can you know have it as a rental. Um, and so I was just kind of casually telling the bank that, uh, and then he said, well, you know, actually we have a program to where if you're building a home for a immediate family member, um, you can do 10% down instead of 20. And so oh that was just like, uh, yeah, what? that was a huge, huge blessing out of nowhere. And, and so I'm just like, wow, like, I was just about to ask you about this 60 K did, were you saving this like, over yeah, so, yeah. So that's the crazy part is just like again because and i want people to remember that this is this is now a, a god ordained uh endeavor and so i'm still just like all right 60k like i, I think i can kind of come up with that some way it's going to be tight i don't know like um so i didn't really know where it was going to come from at that time but um you know out of nowhere he said just 10 percent, and so i'm like okay 30k that's that's more manageable like let's yeah. we, we can figure this one out um and so uh, for, for, for those of you who are not as familiar with the new construction process, there's so many upfront costs that occur before you even get to the point to where you're getting approved for a loan at the bank. And so some of those costs are like drawing the plans for, you know, the architectural design. And um, that's like $5,000 to have an architect do that. Um, getting a site plan from the city, get a survey of the land to make sure it's not in the flood zone. It's like $1,000, all these things, but all those costs go towards your closing costs. So that goes towards that 30,000 that's required uh, at closing. And so um, also the $14,000 that I paid for the land goes towards that $30,000. So at that point, I, I probably spent around like 20, 22,000 um, just kind of out of pocket 
And so I need to come up with a few more thousand to get to that point. And so, um, you know, as we're getting the closing, we're, we're in underwriting uh, and, and I'm calling the, the, my bank contact. I'm like, hey, how much do I need to bring to closing? Give me the exact number. And uh, he's like, all right, I'm going to get it for you. And so um, he calls me back uh, a few days later and he's just like, hey, man, I, I got the number, but I, I don't think this is right. This can't be right. So give me some time to, to just figure out what the actual number is. And so I'm like, all right, that was a weird call, but OK. Uh, and so he calls me back like the next week and he's like, Hey man, I talked to my boss and he confirmed it several times. The number that you had to bring is $106 to closing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he said, because the plans that I drew appraised for, um, over a hundred thousand dollars more than what the project would cost. That's all the bank really needs to see. And so they're just like, that's good enough for us. You don't need to bring any more to closing because basically if you default on the loan, that's a win for them. Like they're making a lot of money off of me anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, they're not requiring me to bring that much to closing uh, at all. So, you know, that was another huge just blessing from God. And it's just like, it, it's just crazy how that happened. Going from like $60,000 to like 106. Uh, granted, there was a lot of money spent in between that, but uh, it was just nice to, to just kind of have that surprise. So um, that's how I was kind of able to do do that second property. We started construction there. Um, I was told it would take about six months, but that was a lie. A year and nine months later, we got the house built. Um, so much headache in between. Um, worst time of my entire life. Um, yeah, I, I don't recommend people do that. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that was the process. Did you, um, ever get discouraged? I know a lot of people, a lot of minorities, they, oh. they, they want to invest like they do. They want to invest, but they get discouraged when it, when you talk about like bringing money to the table or saving like 10 yeah. or $20,000 or $30,000 to bring to the table for these down payments. So what, advice do you have for those people that are you know trying to work towards saving that amount and it's just like wow that's a lot of money to put towards this house and I don't even know how much money I'm gonna get back one day that kind of thing yeah that's a that's a great question so I always tell people to make sure um to set yourself up to to where if you fail you're still going to fail successfully and what I mean by that is um you know doing your research on the area understanding what development is coming around that area um, future plans things of that nature knowing that the house is probably going to appreciate um, and so I, I i had known that area was just gonna go blow up and it's still like in transition now but um i knew that if i spent three hundred and sixty-five thousand, which was end up with the whole house end up costing um uh, on this project uh, and let's say the day I built it, somebody just came and burned it down. Um, that that house was worth well over $500,000 by the time it was finished. And so I knew that even if the worst of the worst happened, I would still come out on top. And so making sure you're setting yourself up in those type of positions. So it makes it easier to kind of put that, that investment up front. Um, and, and also just understanding that like you're, you're, diversifying your your assets your your reallocating your savings and so if you're used to just kind of put you know money in in the savings account that's not making you much of anything um 
yeah, if you save $20,000 in an account, 10 years later, it's probably going to be $20,000 and $100 in that account. So it's like, how much money did you lose over time by not investing that money? Um, and, and I will tell you, the majority of, of millionaires in this this uh, country, I think it's like 93% um, became millionaires through, through real estate. And so the writing's on the wall there. Um, again, just being smart about the, the areas you're investing in, um, getting in early and not really hesitating because I've, I've had so many people who, who told me in 2017, 2018, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I want to buy a house, but I'm just, I'm just going to wait. Like, I don't need, I don't know if I'm going to live here or I don't, um, you know, I just want to make sure I can get a raise at work. I can make more money. I'm like, the, the longer you wait, the more these houses are just going to cost. And, um, you know, now all those same people are looking for a house to buy, but it's like 200,000 more than what it was back then. And so um, you just don't want to miss out on those opportunities and, and just make smart, smart investment. Yeah. Would you would you buy in this market today where uh, there's inflation and the prices are, you know, way higher than what the house was maybe a year or two ago? Uh, yes. Um, and I have and I'm about to again. And so um, we, we, we just purchased a home um, in December uh, and it's actually a new construction home. So we ended up uh, uh, putting our money down in, in uh, April. And I laugh because it was like $20,000 they needed to, to put down on the house. And, um, you know, we had drove by it. And we had known about, about that, that neighborhood and that area for quite some time. Uh, but they had just started, like, you know, breaking ground on those properties. And so we walked in the model home. Um, and I told my wife, I'm like, look, we got to get this like now. And um, I knew that they were going really fast. Um, that price point was at 540 at the time. Um, and so she <laughs> had a little mini panic attack because she's the type that needs to kind of process things. And she's not as mm -hmm. impulsive as I am, especially about big purchases like that. And so I'm like, look, we're coming back tomorrow. We're dropping a check off. <laughs> um, and she just had to like sit down and lay on the bed in the model home and um, relax. But we came back that very next day, um, put that money down. The house was finished in December. Um, at the time it was finished in December, they were selling them for six seventy, and we had, and purchased it for five forty, um, and that was just this past December. And so um, that was in West Midtown. Understanding that area, understanding the development that's coming there, understanding the, the huge corporations and the uh, tech companies that are coming to that area. Um, we knew that that was prime real estate right off the belt line, um, getting in early, um, still still off a of bank head, you know, kind of sort of in the hood, but not really because it, it's already transformed so much. Um, and, you know, now those same houses are selling for uh, $780,000, about to be $800,000. Uh, and we got in at five forty, and it's not even been a full year yet. So um, there are so many opportunities like that in this inflating market. And also understanding that, like, you know, this isn't this isn't necessarily going to change anytime soon. Um, and especially in Atlanta, I can't speak for other cities. Um, Atlanta is uh, has the highest inflation out of any city in the, in the U.S. right now. Um, but there's there's it has the highest development as well. And so um, so many tech companies are coming here and so many tech salaries are coming here. So these people that are coming from Seattle or California, 
they don't care about an eight hundred thousand dollar home. Like that's nothing to them. So all the people that are still in Atlanta who are looking for like a three hundred thousand dollar home, and it's like, well, it's six hundred thousand now. Like I can't afford it. It's it's not the prices aren't going to go down because those people mm-hmm. are just going to come and buy them, and it's just going to keep getting worse. And so if you have the opportunity to get in somewhere, I would still do it. Um, I don't think it's too late. I think there's still some smart investments that you can make, but um, I, I would encourage people to, you know, do the research on different areas. I love the West Side. I'm biased towards the West Side. I know what's coming on the West Side, um, so I definitely say look at the West Side. Um, but yeah, so I'm 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 uh, actually looking to to make another purchase um, soon for for a neighborhood that's about to to release their first homes in their first phase. So still trying to take advantage of this market. So I know you're always looking forward, like you're always forward thinking mm-hmm. when it comes to investing and all that good stuff. So when it comes to um, knowing like, okay, well, I want to buy another house in another year. So I want to buy another house in another two years. Are you already saving for that beforehand? Are you, what's your, always. what's your process? Like, how are you making sure always. that you always have the money to come to the table to say, oh, I just drove by this property and I want it. So let's go get it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So um, from from day one, I mean, we like I said, my mom instilled that in, in me at a very early age. So I give her her that credit for sure. Um, and me and my wife, we're um, you know definitely established like budgets for everything. Um, you automatically send uh, money to certain savings accounts, where whether it's a travel account or a home decor account or um, just saving for future investments. Um, so there's automatically those direct deposits that just go to these different accounts. Um, that way we don't really have to think about it too much. Um, like I have a eating out budget cause we eat out a lot. Um, and, and so just really sitting down and just kind of focusing on that on the front end makes it real easy to do. Um, and that way you don't have to really think about it or you don't have to manually do it yourself. Um, and that way, when you hit those times where, um, you know, an opportunity presents itself, you can act really quickly and move fast. And so because a lot of these properties will require you to put down, you know, it used to be like 2000, but now it's like 5000, 7000, 10000, 20000. Um, and so you do want to have that cash in the bank to just kind of make those moves. And um, I don't want to speak insensitively because people might think, well, I don't just have 20000 in the bank. Um, I didn't either, but I will tell you that we sacrificed a lot. Like, I didn't I didn't go on vacations all the time. Uh, I wasn't into Loom like all these people are a lot. Um, I have traveled recently, more recently, because we have established, um, you know, a, a good position financially. But um, there was a lot of sacrifice up front. You know, not buying all the clothes and all the shoes and um, going to BMW to get a car. And, you know, we, we didn't do those things. And so um, you definitely just want to sacrifice on the front end so you can um, be comfortable and, and do those things now. So, you know, now we're in a position to um, just go travel somewhere if we want to. Um, but also, like, you know, we, we just spend a lot of money decorating a new house. And it's like, those are things that, that, that we enjoy, but we definitely sacrifice for it on the front end. And so I would definitely just give everybody that advice. And when it comes to educating yourself, are you learning along the way? Or do you have like a, 
you know, some people have like mentors that are kind of like guiding them through this process. Um, Cause I know you mentioned that first, that first property with the construction, you know, and getting a construction mm-hmm. loan, like that's a lot, that's a lot more to be educated on than just a regular investment property. Um, so how are you making sure you know everything you need to know when you're going in? Yeah, I would say a majority of that is learning along the way, which um, I'm not going to give bad advice because um, I think that can cause a lot more issues that you don't necessarily have to go through. Um, if you can find somebody who's who's done something similar, definitely tap into that. Um, I, I did reach out to a lot of people who uh, were going through the similar process, but you know everybody's situation is different, so um, you kind of got to just you know, move in faith there, but um, do your research on the front end. That's what my wife is really good about, just doing that research. I'm more so like, let's just jump in and figure it out. But you learn things the hard way that way. Um, and, it, and if you notice like a lot of entrepreneurs who, let's say they made it and now they're going back to talk to people and like, you kind of hear the story of, you know, I started like nine or 10 businesses and they all like failed. And then I finally got to one now I'm successful as if that's like a novel thing. I don't believe in that. I, I think the reason they had those nine or 10 businesses that failed is because they just jumped right into it. They didn't do any research. They didn't um, reach out to people who've done it before. Uh, and they're just kind of like ignorantly moving. You don't have to, you don't have to fail that many times. Like you don't have to suffer that much. You don't have to struggle that much. Um, uh, definitely tap into people who have done it, but also do your own research and, um, be diligent about your research. Um, a lot of times we get an idea and we just go uh, versus, you know, calling some people, having a few conversations. Um, so I, I definitely, I've done both and I've seen how much of a headache it was to just kind of jump in and do it. Um, but also there's that balance, right, of, of, of having faith and not trying to have all the answers because you I could have never predicted you know, the, the way that God made that happen for me in, in the down payment and um, the 10% versus the 20%. I couldn't have predicted that. And so there is a, a, a portion of it that you have to just jump out on faith. But, you know, as long as you're doing your due diligence and, and you can kind of control what you can control, um, the rest will work itself out for sure. So I know it's kind of some mixed advice, but um, take it for what, for what you want. But yeah, Definitely. there's a balance there. Yeah, there's there's a balance. They'll figure it out. Um, so now that you've got these properties, what um are they rental properties? Are they Airbnb focused? Or you know what what kind of path did you decide to go on and why? Yeah, great question. So the the, the first property that I purchased ever was is still rented out by those those same guys. Um, they're they're not moving because I'm not charging them much of anything to live in West Midtown. Um, where rent is like $2,200 now, which is wild to me, uh, for one bedroom. Um, but yeah, they're, they're paying little to nothing and, and I'm okay with that one because, um, that's also my way of, of helping people kind of save up money so that they can do the same thing. I always tell, tell them all, like, I appreciate you guys paying my mortgage, but also want to see you pay your own mortgage too and, and, uh, make those moves. So like, save your money. We have conversations, you know, uh, about finances often and, and, um, really getting them to understand, okay, well, how do we put you in a position to go out and do something yourself? Um, but 
you know, that's a full full rental. Um, the one that I built from the ground up, um, the main level and the top level, uh, it's kind of structured as a duplex. Um, that is on Airbnb, uh, which that has been doing well. It's booked out every weekend up until like July now, I think. So um, that's been good. Uh, and then the bottom level I had on furnished finders for uh, traveling nurses. Um, and there was a lot of hits on that. So I had a, a nurse in there uh, for some time just paying me uh, a flat rate each month. Um, so that, that income definitely helped. Um, and then the one we're living in now, um, we're uh, finishing up the designs and we're going to kind of rent it out for like um, creative space. So anybody who mm. is doing podcasts or doing any type of film work um, can definitely come come use the house for, for those special projects. So definitely finding ways to, to produce some income off of the properties that, that we've built. I'm loving this. So is there, you know, some people do property management. They say, oh, I need someone to help me keep track of all this. Do you yeah. have someone that's helping you keep track of like the Airbnb and, and the rental property or are you kind of like working full time and doing all this at the same time? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. So the rental property is kind of, um, it's just kind of managing itself. Like I, you know, they, they, they send me the rent each month. I'll send them the, the utilities um, and things have been good there. It's not too much maintenance, um, but it's, it's nothing I can't handle the Airbnb definitely wanted to get like a uh, property manager initially. Um, and they were charging like 18, 20%. And so, um, you know, once I kind of figured out what they would be doing, it's like, it's not that much. Like, I, I think I can do this myself. Um, and it was kind of annoying initially, you know, with my first cleaning lady, because she wasn't like, she was a cleaning lady. She didn't really know how to like get things Airbnb ready. And so, uh, you know, I would have to go replenish things. I would have to go fold towels between each um, check-in and check-out. Um, I would have to uh, just kind of make sure the house was was ready for the next guest. But uh, I was actually able to find another cleaning lady who specialized in Airbnbs, and she understood, like, everything that needed to take place. And um, that's been a huge lifesaver. So she would tell me, hey, you need more paper towels? she would go pick up the paper towels, just send me the bill. I'm like, perfect. Um, and so it's kind of managing itself at this point, as long as you got a right cleaning lady, it's, it's fine. Um, at least with one property. Uh, and so I, I've, and I didn't want to just throw away 20% just for somebody else to, to yeah. not do anything. So, um, that's been good. And, um, you know, my wife and I have been able to manage it ourselves without too much headache. Yeah. And when it comes to, you know, thinking about what's next. Um, so is the, is the, is the goal to, you know, continue to buy in Atlanta and, you know, make it to where you have like, you know, several different properties in the Atlanta area, or are you looking to, you know, outsource and go into that buying out of state market as well? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have talked to me about uh, buying out of state because there's a lot of cities that are kind of like up next when it comes mm -hmm. to the development like Atlanta has seen. Um, I know there, there was a lot of uh, opportunity in Detroit, um, as well as Birmingham as well. Um, but I'm just, I, I've seen how I was with my properties here in Atlanta. And like, I would be driving to them almost every day, um, just kind of like being a stickler over things. And I'm like, I don't know if I have um, the patience or the peace to just kind of like be away from a project. 
Um, so I've been a little scared to, to do something out of state, but I know other people who have, um, and, and I believe it's going well for them, but that's just not an area that I tapped into just yet. And it's also because like, I, I know Atlanta, like I, I know the development, like we are looking up articles, you know, all the time uh, about, you know, which companies are buying what and when construction is, is taking place and when people have pulled permits and things of that nature. And so uh, when you have that much insight and you know what's coming, you know the growth that's coming, it's like, why would I just go put my money somewhere else where I don't really know? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I know that there's still more opportunity here. Um, so like the next, the next venture for me, um, which has also kind of been a dream as well, is just helping my mom buy, buy her house um, so that's what we're, we're going to do next and um, also look at another property that, that's popping up soon. So um, just sticking to Atlanta because it, it, stick to what you know. You don't have to dive into other things. You don't need to say I got properties all over America just to say that, like do what works. And is it difficult having several properties when it comes to the bank wise? Like, is there any, huh. yeah, any stipulations or guidelines or different things that you've faced when it comes to saying, oh, well, you got too much properties now, like slow down or anything like that? That's a, that's a really great question. I'm glad you actually brought that up. Um, Cause this has come up in a lot of conversations with um, couples that I know. And so um, 2019, uh, you know, I was, I was building the house, uh, my second property um, and uh, me and my wife, we got engaged February 2020. So I was still in the process of building that house. Um, and so uh, as we as we were dating, you know, I think my wife kind of just figured, you know, well, once we get married, we'll just move into your first house and we'll kick your, your tenants out. And, um, you know, that'll be our home and we'll have two houses. I'm like, no, nah, that's not how this works. Um, you know, I, I'm not losing that, that income that, you know, we, we can do both. And I'm like, I, I need you to, um, you know, focus on buying your own property while we're, while we're technically still single um, from a legal standpoint, um, because there's a lot of advantages to that um, versus buying as a married couple. Um, and so uh, as a single person, she was able to get approved for her own, own loan and, and purchase her own home which she did. Um, and then, uh, you know, we actually sold that house about a year later, made like 20 or 30,000 from it. Um, and now use that money to buy our now third home together. Um, and she was actually still able to qualify for that home on her own. So, um, that was kind of like, right. Was that right before or after we got married? I think it was after we got married, but, um, we were able still to still make that work because she was able to get that property by herself um, versus like combining income. Um, and so I always encourage people to look at your options um, before you kind of become married uh, because there are some um, down payment assistance programs that, that individuals can take advantage of. And when you combine the households, um, those income limits kind of they increase a little bit, but because they're combined, they actually shrink uh, in the grand scheme of things. And so um, what you could have qualified for, you probably won't be able to yeah. now that you have two incomes. And so I encourage people to do their research on that before making that jump. And um, uh, but now it's like I can you know claim my rental income as income 
um, I can claim the Airbnb income as income. And so uh, instead of the bank just looking at my corporate salary as income, they're now looking at all of my avenues of, of income. And so I can get approved for more properties, you know, at this point. Um, so that, that's kind of how you do that. And, and you kind of let one property pay for the other. Um, and yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And you know, at one, it's crazy to think at one point, like black people couldn't even buy property. Like we were just like, you know, that wasn't something that we could do. So now you're on the other side. I mean, black people are buying more property than ever before now. And you're one of those people that's doing that. You know, how does it, how does it feel? When, when, when does it come a time where it's like, now I can splurge and not sacrifice? Hey, you know, that's crazy. I asked myself, I asked myself that question. Cause, uh, um, Man, that's funny. I used to get frustrated with my mom a lot because, um, you know, she would say, all right, well, you should probably think about doing this. I'm like, oh, all right, so I won't be able to, you know, go on these trips with my friends or whatever, but I'll do it. And I would do it and like, I would see the fruits of it. I'm like, yo, thank you, mom. Like, it, it, this was good. And uh, it's like, now I can splurge. She's like, well, but you, you can still now do this. And I'm like, dang, all right, cool. Like, let me go build this house from the ground up and spend $60,000 doing it. Um, and, and um, you know, you see the fruits of that and it's like, all right, cool. Now I can like go splurge. But then it's like, well, wait, here's this other opportunity. And so um, I, it seems like it's a never ending cycle, but mm -hmm. trust me when I say, the more you do that, the more, um, what's the word it's called um, disposable income comes along with it as well. And so it does seem like you're constantly sacrificing and, and writing these big checks to, to these next investments. Um, but you're just kind of reallocating assets and your money is still growing while you're doing it. And um, you will be able to kind of increase your lifestyle along the way while also still sacrificing, but it does pay off. It doesn't seem like it in the moment, but it does pay off. And so, um, I actually told my wife, um, and everybody else, I'm like, look, I'm done building the house. I'm done buying houses. Like I'm not doing it no more. I just want to enjoy my money. Like I want to splurge. Um, and then sure enough, another opportunity came up. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do this. It's time and, again. Um, yeah. And, and we're still like able to, you know, buy clothes or, or go travel somewhere, um, or decorate the house the way we want and all this kind of stuff. So, um, just living within your means um we're st we still live a pretty nice lifestyle um but it, it is it kind of makes you stay humble and, and makes you um live within your means because if i didn't build that house i would probably have like sixty thousand dollars just sitting in the bank and it's like all right i'm about to go here go there go there mm. um, but my wealth would be you know a hundred thousand versus like half a million or whatever it is mm. um now and so you, you do kind of want to force yourself to just remain in that 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 season of sacrifice while still getting you know incrementally more disposable income along the way definitely i love it i think it's it's definitely the way to go um yeah. i know now you're you're basically trying to make sure that you're you know helping other people along the way right that's something Absolutely. that's a goal too so is that is that people can reach out to you? How can they how can they get in contact with you? You know, they have questions yeah. or thoughts or all that good stuff. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book. Um, 
and I'm going to touch on this real quick because it's kind of like a pet peeve of mine, but, you know, and, and I see it a lot in the, the black community as well, which I understand why, but, um, you know, people will kind of jump out and do something and then it might hit, it, you know, they might find, find a little success in it and instantly they want to start like charging people for advice or charging people to redo a resume or, or whatever and, and just kind of make a business out of it and monetize it so quickly and, and they're still young but um i just i just don't that's not me um so i'm an open book I'm, I'm i can be reached out to on instagram so many people have reached out to me on instagram set up conversations had talks people have invited me out to dinner just to like talk about the process and everything like that and it's been um you know I can see how, how helpful it's been for everyone else. And so I just don't think I'll get to a point to where I'm like inaccessible or, or just charging people to, you know, cause I, I want all, all of us to win and um, to, to do the right things. But the other thing I will say is like, you know, a lot of people just don't listen. Like I, I can want so bad for, for other people to kind of, um, you know, reach their goals or, or get to these, these, these um, places they're trying to get to financially. Um, but like you said, it's hard for somebody to just like save up, you know, $10,000 and write that check to go invest in something else. Like it's hard to get past that mentally, but uh, it's there. Uh, and, and I want so much for everyone, um, especially in our community. Uh, so I can be reached out to on Instagram. Um, I'll respond. I'm an open book. We can set up a call. I'm a person that I prefer phone calls over text. I'm old school. So we can do that anytime. And do you have any... Um you know, books, podcasts, or anything that you would suggest that, you know, that you continue to read or follow along or good platforms for articles that you, you know, that are keeping you updated and informed about yeah. what's going on and everything? Yeah, I would say your podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't really do, uh, I don't really do podcasts and I don't really, dang, I don't really do books either. That's crazy. <laughs> um, dang, my wife does. So, Okay. DM, DM me and I'm sure she'll have a whole like list of books to recommend. But we do stay up on uh, Curve, Curved Atlanta. They do a lot of articles on, you know, new development that's coming. So that's kind of how we stay in the know of, of what's coming in the area, doing research on, like, like I said, um, permits that are being pulled. When you see somebody pull a permit as public knowledge uh, through the city, um, you know it's happening. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, you know, Microsoft, they just released an article a couple of days ago about, you know, their plans uh, in their campus. It's going to be the second largest Microsoft campus in the world, um, right next to our house that we purchased. So it's like mm. uh, staying up to date on all these these different things that these companies are doing. Um, there's news articles that, that we just look at. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big podcast person, per se. Um but yeah, I know I know that my wife has a lot of resources. So reach out to me. Awesome. And then I, my last question that I always ask everyone that comes on the podcast is, um, you know, we believe that it's so important for people to just share their story. So just tell yeah. us why you think it's important, you know, for you to share your story and for others to, you know, not be afraid to do the same. You know, it doesn't have to be about in this topic, but any topic or anything that they've been through in their life that they could share their story on. Absolutely. I think it's important for me to share my story because, um, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm not glamorizing everything. 
Um, I feel like a lot of people do want to paint this picture of like, you know, I'm doing this and that and I'm a millionaire and blah, 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 blah. And it, it almost seems kind of unattainable for other people. It's like you look at them and it's like, wow, well, that's dope for you. Like you're just a special person. Like I can never do that. And I always want to show people how normal and just regular I am. And it's just like the simple principles that I follow. It's nothing novel, groundbreaking. It's just simple principles uh, um, that I follow that have helped me get to this position. I'm still striving to get get places. Like I have bigger dreams of like, you know, um, businesses that I, I do want to start um, later on down the line. Um, but, you know, as a you know, younger person, like I was, I always had like four or five jobs and, and I've always just been like, man, when can I get to this point in life where I can just, you know, live like everybody else is living. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like I just, I wasn't living. Um, and it felt so unattainable. Like I was selling snow cones at the Braves games. I was valeting at, at the W like all the time, like just, just working these jobs and watching these other people just kind of like live life and spend their money and all this kind of stuff. So I say all that to say, like, I felt like, you know, I wasn't able to kind of get to a place in life to where I can feel comfortable the way that I am now. But I want everybody to know that that is possible. And it doesn't matter where you are in life or who you are. Um, it really is just like believing in yourself and um you know just following the simple principles just just it, it may be like a two-year three-year um kind of project or investment or whatever it is but you know slow money is the best money um even if your you little quick forex schemes work and you get ten thousand dollars i don't even want ten thousand dollars that fast like I, I don't want it that fast i know i won't appreciate it but now, like, I appreciate every single dime that I have because I, I've seen it just grow over time. And if you can just kind of stay true to those principles, um, you know, it, it'll, it will work out for you. But definitely want to share my story just so people can know, like, I'm nothing special, nothing crazy. Um, and I'm an open book. And, and like I said before, learn from other people's mistakes. Don't make the same mistake they made. Um, so, yeah, I just want to be a resource for everyone. Awesome. Well, I want to definitely say thank you for just, you know, coming on the podcast and sharing your story it has been a great time. So much information yeah. that you've shared that I'm sure people can use, you know, in their journeys. Um, but be sure to like, comment and subscribe if you guys haven't done so already. You can also follow the podcast at stories that matter LLC on Instagram. And you can follow Mr. Josh here. You want to plug them in on your Insta? uh sure you know uh it ain't nothing special but uh at the underscore josh underscore district that's where you can find me perfect well thank you guys so much for tuning in and we hope that you guys tune into the next episode as well all right thank you
can tell the truth, yeah, it's time to hear a new story. The world wanna sit down, getting scary. But she ain't gonna let nobody down, don't worry. True be told, gotta hear your story. Yeah, they gotta see us glory. Have to tell the truth to move forward. The only way is to hear our story.